0: You're listening to the Mindful Psychology Podcast, a podcast designed to explore mindfulness, psychology, neuroscience, and various aspects of holistic health. My name is Jen. I'm your host. I'm also a therapist, an educator, and a yoga teacher. Join me and brilliant guests as we explore various topics and offer you actionable steps so that you can be informed and intentional about your health and well-being. Now sit back, relax, maybe take a notebook out, and let's dive in. and welcome to a brand new episode of the Mindful Psychology Podcast. My name is Jen, I'm your host, and today we are joined by someone very special. Rachel, why don't you go ahead and uh, introduce yourself
1: to everybody? Hi, so this is Rachel Butler-Dornanu, and I am an individual and couples psychotherapist.
0: Hey Rachel, why don't you uh, tell us a bit more about what you do, how you got into the work that you do, your why, and all of that stuff.
1: Sure. Yeah, absolutely. So gosh, uh, individual and couples psychotherapy, I work with ages 13 up and so, and I work with people that have trouble with adulting and anxiety, highly sensitive people, otherwise known as HSP perfectionism. And then my personal favorites are marital counseling. So uh, the why of why I got into this field, um, I, I'd say probably when I was a teen that I was kind of like the mom friend of the group. So I was always the listening ear and supportive person. And I love to just lessen people's concerns, help them have some light bulb moments of, you know, if they need to get out of a not so great relationship, those sorts of things. And then I went into to get my bachelor's in psychology from Kennesaw State University. And then I worked at a boarding school for troubled teens out in Montana in the middle of nowhere. And I went to grad school at the University of North Georgia and got my master's in counseling. I had internships in uh, private practice, got hired on, and now I work at two group practices in Atlanta.
0: That's amazing. That's really great. Yeah. Yeah. Um I'm really curious to I mean there are a couple of things I want to unpack that you mentioned. The first one would be when you said adulting, if someone's wondering what that means or or what that covers, what would you
1: say to them? Sure, so adulting tends to be probably ages eighteen and up. I mean, if there's a really mature teen that wants to do that, all more power to them uh, so adulting can be gosh, I mean finances, budgeting, grocery shopping, how to take care of your home how to find a career, work on your resume, interview tips, mental health and wellness, ways to do yoga. I know that's one of your favorite things, Jen. Mm -hmm. And it's a way to just be successful in our adult life because I feel that a lot of us kind of transition from this awkward teen moment in high school, at least in the U.S., and then go to college we have more fun and party a little bit and then we are thrown into the adult world we don't really know what the heck we're doing so i'm there to kind of help nurture these people that are young adults into a way of being nicer to themselves and not having to rely on their parents so much and rely on themselves Yeah.
0: Okay. That makes a lot of sense. And I think those are really real concerns, right? Like it's so easy to not think about those things and that awkward phase and that transition and all those Mm -hmm. years that pass until you realize all those years that have passed and, you know, what skills do you often have, right? Like you might go years without actually realizing that you, that you might be missing some skills, you know, or some, some life tools, So that's interesting. Yeah. And I also wanted to touch on the HSP thing that you mentioned. If anyone's wondering what that is in more detail, could you uh, elaborate on that, please?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So being an HSP, highly sensitive person, uh, I believe, don't quote me on it, but Dr. Elaine Aaron, I believe is the person that started the whole HSP term and coined it. And it affects about 20% of the population. So if you Feel extra sensitive you're not crazy you're just a highly sensitive person it's a personality trait so basically if maybe you're affected by really loud noises or textures or if you're overstimulated with a really crowded environment or loud voices that you may be highly sensitive and there's nothing wrong with you I want to clarify that because I'm an HSP as well and it's a way that we're just really in tune with other people and ourselves and our environment and it's honestly really solid for working with the team because we're able to be aware of other people's concerns and kind of cater to them to make sure everyone's comfortable.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's really, that's really interesting. I also came into that term recently or somewhat recently and was surprised at how relatable it was. Like I, I never really gave it much thought and I always thought that I was just weird or that, <laughs> yeah, that I was sensitive and then right. it's sensitive in a bad way, like, you know, I, that I was just overreacting or whatever, but that right. it's so real. It's super real. Um, mm-hmm. so I feel like that's really interesting. I like when people, how have you found, um, I just like cut my own thought off, but like okay. I just want really to excited to to ask you, like how have you found that, that's, um, that that influences you as a therapist and someone who works with people?
1: Oh, great question. Um, so well, I'm glad that you're an HSP as well. So that's super cool. Um, <laughs> but it's, Oh, it's it's so tough, man. I'll honestly tell you that I am obsessed with my job. Like, don't get me wrong, I love being therapist. I love those light bulb moments. I, oh, people make me happy. But when it's time to be an HSP therapist, that I have to really make sure I set some really really solid work boundaries. I have certain cutoff times for uh, the end of the night to make sure I actually get to unwind, eat dinner, that kind of thing. I'm not going to check my email. It's a lot of self care. Making sure I do you know some yoga before the end of the night to get some of those, that negativity out of my body, because as a therapist, as you know, you know, you're listening to some really tough stuff all day, day in and day out. Mm-hmm. So making sure you're taking care of yourself. Um, and if I need to make sure I've about, you know, maybe a stress ball or some tea or a blanket, something that's really comforting that if I get overstimulated during a session, I can be like, you know what, maybe the client's feeling that way too. Cause I can kind of tell more so, and you may have this experience as well, that a client is having a really tough time in session. That's when we can say, okay, we got this. Let's take a break. Let's take a breather, maybe do a grounding technique or something and get us back into a a more comfortable conversation mindset.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. That makes sense. Yeah. And I also wanted to talk about the two places where you work and the two practices that you have. Um, You had mentioned that at the beginning. Could you go ahead and tell us a bit about those?
1: Sure. So I have a, I'm part of a group practice in Alpharetta, Georgia. So that's maybe 20 minutes or so outside of Atlanta. And I do in-person and online sessions is gosh, the group practice has, I think like 15 therapists now it is just Mm -hmm. packed. It's super exciting interns to fully licensed people. So that's been fantastic. And then my other practice is fully virtual at this time. And so that's servicing anyone that is a Georgia resident and I'm able to work with anybody you know, through, gosh, I mean, it's called simple practice. That's how I do my sessions, live video sessions. But sometimes they're like, you know what, I need to just get some fresh air. So we might do an outdoor walk and talk session at a park with our mask on, of course. And it's really nice for one, for me to get my steps in and for two, for the client to get some fresh air and get out of their room. So it's kind of win-win.
0: Yeah, no, that's awesome. Congratulations. That's really great. Just having hey. just that is uh, is great. I know that we've just talked before on air, off air rather, about how many, how much work you have to do this week and how much stuff you have yeah. going on. So that's, that's exciting, right?
1: <laughs> yes, that is the one good thing. Whenever I get to have outdoor sessions, it's totally worth it. Yeah.
0: yeah. And again, it's funny how the things that are most beneficial to us or some of the things that are most beneficial to us seem to be the things that we put to the, to the side when we're really busy right like it's the weirdest thing like even when we need to do yoga or when we need like we know that we need it like we know it's going to be good for us it just seems to be the first thing that we put aside it's just yes. not a priority isn't that interesting <laughs> it
1: is wild and I honestly I think that's part of my perfectionism is that I have all these goals and expectations like ah oh, self-care he needs that but then we really need it
0: Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And I mean I I do I say I'm saying it in general, but like me me too. <laughs> like yes. sometimes I, I don't have time, like I'm I have too much going on. I'm like, that's exactly the time when you should be getting on the mat and taking exactly. some. Exactly. And then every time I want to take a break and I take a break, like I actually do it, I'm like, well, this is just wonderful. <laughs> like, why don't I do this more often? Um, right.
1: I did need this.
0: Hmm. <laughs> so interesting. Yeah, yeah. So interesting. But uh, yeah. Um, you know, I also wanted to talk about the work that you do with couples and premarital couples. So what are some of the things
1: you work on with premarital couples? Oh gosh. Oh, that is such a loaded question. Every couple's different. Um, I'd say most of my couples are either dating or engaged or, you know, first year newlywed kind of population. And they're just my favorites. They're, they're so sweet. And honestly, I don't know if this is, you know, to be said on air or not, but they, they're still happy. They are still a happy couple. They're still willing to learn and love one another and forgive each other compared to some of like the longer term angry couples. Those are not my favorite. So um, things that we're working on, gosh, I'd say communication, conflict resolution, finances, time together and time apart. This is completely okay to have your own life and still be part of a partnership um, working on sexual expectations, dealing with family and friends, relationship roles, if they're more traditional or egalitarian, uh, spirituality that has a place in their relationship, how they handle stress and handle when their partner is stressed. Oh man, I can go on and on. I love my couples.
0: Yeah, definitely. No, I think it's really important work as well. And I think there's a lot of talk about destigmatizing uh, couples therapy in general and seeing it more as a pre- preventative measure and just as like a, something to maintain the health of your relationship rather than only for messed up couples or couples who have issues. So what would you say about that? Right.
1: Mm. In terms of a preventative measure?
0: Yeah, and just like what what the stigma is, and what you would want people to know about couples therapy. If anyone's listening right now and might not be sure about couples therapy, or they're thinking about it but they just don't know if it's for them, um, what would you say?
1: Okay, well, let's see. I know I'll just tell you that normally it tends to be the female partner that reaches out to me first and says, "Hey, I really have been thinking about it. I've had some friends that've done premarital counseling, and." they're super excited. And sometimes the male partner is just a little bit hesitant of saying, oh, well, we don't have a problem. We're fine. And it's like, well, cool. I'm, I'm so glad that you feel confident in your relationship, but this is more, like you said, a preventative piece of you are building these foundational skills to, to take care of your marriage for the future, whether it's, you know, marriage, long-term partnership, whatever it may be, that you're taking care of you and your partner to make sure that you guys are able to communicate because right now the probably the biggest stress is wedding planning, totally stressful, totally get it. But it can also be a piece of what happens when there's issues with in-laws or issues with raising kids and discipline and that kind of thing that if you already have that strong foundation of communication and conflict resolution, then you're going to have a way, way easier time to communicate about some of those concerns. And if you need to, you know, maybe take a time out from a discussion, go for a walk, go watch an episode of Friends or something like that, (laughs) then you can definitely do that. And the reason that I mentioned the Friends episode, I don't know if you've had anybody talk about this before, um, but I've learned from, I believe it was the Gottman's, Gottman Method Couples Therapy, that you can, uh, whenever you get flooded, overwhelmed, Uh, Stonewalling is the Gottman term. And if stress builds up in your system, it's related to your bloodstream. So cortisol is a stress hormone. It takes 20 minutes, kid you not, 20 minutes for the stress hormone to leave your bloodstream. So that's about an episode of Friends Without Commercials. So if you need to go take a breather, then you can do that.
0: I know you're being super serious. I just find it like it's just really interesting. <laughs> it's a really interesting thing, but I think we've all been there too, right? Like our tensions are high. It happens to be there. Right. We happen to just take a little break. We feel so amazing after. And it just, it does. Know, I've, I've done the exact same thing and with friends. Like that's why I just love this. It
1: works, man. I'm telling you, I just binged the entire series and I'm fully obsessed again. So. <laughs>
0: Oh man, no, no! That show is definitely like the gift that keeps on giving. Like it just—it so. <laughs> just keeps getting better and better. Like it's just—it's <laughs> just so good. But yeah, sorry. Um, no, you're good. But what you said makes yeah makes perfect sense. And I think these things are important. What you mentioned two things that I thought were important, like issues with in laws, and then issues with di- uh, disciplining kids. Mm-hmm. Um, I think often people don't see how that's going to be a problem because they just assume that they have the same values and this is why they're together and this is why they want to have a family but it can become difficult like there are things we don't realize we do that aren't helpful in our relationship like or the way that we you know like one of the common things I say I don't know if you see this but like once they start having kids there's a bit of like the mean cop and the good cop and the bad cop type oh yeah and that mm-hmm. happens without you even realizing, and then it can create a lot of resentment in the relationship. And then if you don't have the tools, and this is just one example, but yeah. if you don't have the tools to navigate this and to have any you know, healthy dialogue about it, it can become really problematic. And then obviously it's not, the, it's not a top priority because you're thinking about the kids and how that's a priority. And then all right. these things go undealt dealt with, and then it becomes a huge issue. Would you exactly. find that? Yeah, oh, you're seen, yeah. Sorry. Is that something that you've seen too? Sorry.
1: No. Yeah, absolutely. It's uh, gosh, the good cop, bad cop situation. I'll tell you that I don't necessarily work with the couples that are parents per se. I like the ones that are, you know, just the, the two partners together. But whenever I've had couples in the past that have kiddos, it's a lot of resentment goes up really, really quickly. Mm. so it, it just breaks my heart to see that because I know that they still care about each other we just got to like dig a little deeper and, and find some love in there somewhere
0: yeah yeah no that's really beautiful <laughs> I like that um I also just wanted to not backtrack but talk about what you had mentioned about uh, adulting and anxiety and all of that stuff so yeah. what are some of the things that you do most with regards to that so I know you, you unpacked a bit what adulting means but what are some things that you see most if you had to pick two or three or one that you see most in with regards to adulting and anxiety, or maybe the overlap with anxiety and adulting?
1: Yeah. Oh my gosh. Um, that's oh loaded question, girl. I know so, I keep <laughs> I keep <just laughs> let's see, it, yeah. uh, I'm thinking that the three main things with adulting tends to be finances. And I'm not saying like a financial I'm not a financial advisor, I'm not a financial planner by any means. Um, but having someone just sit down with them and say, Hey, let's look at a budget together. Let's put something together of your needs and your wants. There's something on nerd wallet. That's like a plug and play with the numbers of your budget, which is super helpful. I use that with clients all the time and just for them to say, Oh, wow. I had no idea I was spending, you know, $500 on Starbucks or something mm-hmm. outlandish. Like, and I was like, okay, well, as much as I love Starbucks too, let's find something that's a little bit easier to you know have maybe one Starbucks drink a week instead of you know 15 and so finances is probably a really big piece um relationships tends to be a big piece of whether they're single or dating that there's like I don't know how to communicate with this person I don't know how to get to a deeper level or I don't want to say the wrong thing that's when anxiety kicks in of I want to make sure I see the perfect thing and I'm this, you know perfect person on a pedestal for my potential partner and they get so anxious and I just want to say hey it's okay you you just need to take a breather ideally be yourself because I'd hate for you to go 6 months of putting someone on a pedestal or yourself on a pedestal and then the partner doesn't feel like they're really being with you so finding a way to just breathe collect your thoughts listen to your partner and they listen to you and oh it just we have to slow them down a little bit you know they they get so anxious when they're dating um and then gosh i'm trying to think of any other adulting things that stick out the most finances relationships uh i mean mental health i'm a therapist so that kind of works out well but helping them to just slow down stress management deal with any kind of depressive anxious symptoms whatever's going on for them and do a lot of psychoeducation of how to be a little bit nicer to themselves and work on unhelpful thinking.
0: Mm -hmm. Okay. I like that. Would you be able to expand a bit on unhelpful thinking?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So, um, it's funny. I was just working with a client on this last night and it's something that tends to help me is, um, I'm very type A, very structured. I like to have kind of structured stuff with my clients. So that works out quite well. Cause I'll, I say like 80% of them are perfectionists. So yeah, <laughs> but, um, with unhelpful thinking, if we're thinking things like, oh, why does it always happen to me? I should have been a better partner. Uh, there's like maybe 13 different kinds of unhelpful thinking categories. I've learned that from the self-love workbook. And that is just gold. So, you know, resource drop gold nugget right there. That is an amazing resource. And so we'll go through the negative thinking, unhelpful thinking categories, figure out how their thinking tends to go, different kind of patterns, identify it. And then usually if we're able to put a category on the kind of thinking or that specific thought that we had, then we can say, okay. I should have been a better partner. Mm. Not really helpful. That's kind of hurtful. So if we at least put it in a category, we can say, this is the shoulds. This is, I should have, I ought to, I must, I'm supposed to, that that category helps us to put it in a box and say, okay, let's find a way to be a little bit nicer to myself. So maybe putting a positive spin on that thought or challenging your thinking of, is this thought helpful? Is this thought um, accurate? Can I talk to somebody about this thought that I just had? Because that way we're going to be a little bit nicer to ourselves and make those changes a little bit more quickly.
0: Hmm. That's really interesting. And I think that's also a really hard thing to do, right? Like when you're really beating yourself up and you're really internalizing that awful feeling, even, mm-hmm. when, even when you have to look at the thought and think, okay, that's the thought that isn't helpful, that isn't helping, helping me. It's so hard to detach from that when you're distressed, right? Like it's so hard right. to not get super activated, uh, when you're, when you're thinking about that. So what are, what are some tricks for stress management and distress management that you would, um, cause you've mentioned like collecting your thoughts and breathing and all that stuff. So what would you tell your client if they were unable to separate themselves from this thought or they were getting very anxious about their thinking? Yeah,
1: absolutely. So, um, I mean, I'd say number one, if you're able to, therapy's obviously my favorite because you get to talk to somebody that's unbiased and it's not family to say, oh, well, you shouldn't have thought that. You know, that's never going to be helpful if someone's kind of criticizing how you're thinking. Mm -hmm. So therapy is always my personal favorite in terms of stress management, inventing, that kind of thing. I have my own therapist. It's wonderful. And, um, In terms of stress management, I'd say exercise is always a really great one. Journaling, I'm a big, big fan of journaling. I never used to think I'd be a journaler, but man, has that changed with the pandemic. So anytime you're feeling anxious or kind of depressed that you can journal out your thoughts and get it out of your head and put it on paper, that can be really helpful. Uh, Listening to a podcast, maybe like this one, that's a chance to just listen to other people that are going through the exact same thing that you are. So it helps to normalize, know that you're not alone. Um, having a little dance party in your kitchen that's something that I used to do with my mom all the time is just dance around to some really solid like ABBA music and (laughs) dance it out and it it works wonders so those are some of my favorite ways to do stress management.
0: That's amazing yeah no no definitely I what kind of ABBA music I'm just curious like that's a really interesting uh band to choose right like i
1: love that are there any songs yeah any kind of disco music i don't know maybe i was born in the wrong era i don't know <laughs> um oh my gosh any kind of the music i mean dancing queen is a staple as it should be um i what mean I, honestly i'm thoroughly obsessed them. go ahead oh no, no no you go ahead no you're good um <laughs> uh, i was just saying that i love the mama mia stuff i, I was just gonna
0: <laughs> and I was just, I, anything mama mia is good for me oh
1: anything yes and i don't know if you ever watched the show s club seven but there was like a dancing queen episode and that's how i got hooked i was like Oh, what is this music i need more so now i'm fully obsessed with alpha this is,
0: uh, this is officially the best episode we talked about s club seven we've talked about mama mia i mean <laughs> this is gold <laughs> This is the best, but no, I, I completely agree. I always felt like I was alone loving the Mamma Mia's music and people will make fun of the movies and I'm like, Mm-mm, no, I love them all. I think they're great.
1: I they are them. wonderful. I think yeah, if, if you don't like Mamma Mia, we can't be friends. Sorry.
0: Right. It's a, it's a requirement. Like, are you cool enough? No, <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. But it's uh, no, I agree. Those things. And they're really underrated. Like we're laughing, but journaling, especially and dancing. It always people always make fun of that, like, oh, what's journaling or, or dancing going to do? But I think getting out of your head and getting out of your body and getting oh, yeah. it out is just the main reason why that's, or one of the main reasons why that's so important. It's 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 even like when you have a list, right? When you have a list, mm-hmm. you're not writing it down. It's just stressing you out. But if you write it down, then it's one less thing taking up, like draining your energy in your mind, right? It's, exactly. Imagine if it's not a to-do list anymore, it's actually really, really heavy feelings. How much Like I always compare it to files on a computer. Like if you have a few small ones, maybe they're not taking up a lot of space or energy, but if you have these huge files or apps running in the back that you're not sorting through, that are just cluttering your mind, Mm that can be extremely taxing to you. So if they're just there picking up, you know, anyway, that's usually the the analogy I use. And, you know, it'll just make you happier and healthier when you just clear it out. So I think that's really helpful. Yeah, for sure. And I'm curious to know how you found these things affect HSP, People, have you have you noticed anything different in the way that they feel anxious or in how they feel anxious and in what tools work most for them?
1: Great question, girl. You're killing it with these questions. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Let's see. I'm trying to think because I mean, as an HSP, things that tend to help me the most is um, at least between sessions. I mean, I know not everyone's a therapist, but at least for me, that having a chance to unwind from sessions. If I've had, you know, maybe a really tough session of hearing about trauma or a couple has a fight or something like that, that I can say, okay, I'm going to go take a breather. I'm going to go, you know, lay on the floor, lay on my bed, something like that, and just kind of do some deep breathing, close my eyes. I mean, honestly, do some yoga breathing that that has been so, so helpful to help me get out of a, you know, a high tense overstimulation state and bring it back down to a bit more of a, a state of normalcy. That breathing, which is wild, I never thought the breathing would be so important, but man, is it! Um, doing some light stretching, you know, even if I'm having five minutes between calls or meetings, and do some stretching in my chair, uh, take a lap around the house, that kind of thing, those tend to be super helpful. I'm also really a big fan of uh, CBD oil. That's been a game changer for myself and other HSPs.
0: Yeah. Oh, that's so funny. I found the same thing this a couple months ago and Mm -hmm. I I thought for the longest time, like, Oh, I don't know if I'm going to bother or like, if that's really for me, but no absolute game changer completely. It is. Yeah. It really is amazing. But I I love the tips that you gave. I think it's those little things that make such a difference. Even just stretching, like you said, for five minutes, I feel like sometimes when we give those tips, they seem so um, simple at the beginning, but they really are so helpful exactly and then you think like oh what's a few breaths going to do well try try to really intentionally breathe and you'll see you know as many times as you need to but it really creates so much space um especially when you have those big sessions for sure um and with this i thought we could transition into the work that you do with uh new clinicians or future clinicians actually if you if you don't mind we could talk about that too
1: yeah, yeah, absolutely. So um, let's see, I graduated in, what was that? I think, May of 2019. So although I've been out for, what, about a year, two years in May, that it's, uh, it's really hard to go from grad school where everything's nice and structured, you know, you get grades and all those good things. And then you go straight into private practice Up, Oh, crap. What do I do with <laughs> marketing? How do I market myself? How do I build a website? How do I get on podcasts I do all these things and I want to get my name out there and get all my favorite clients. It's hard work. I mean, don't get me wrong. I am obsessed. I love running my social media and my blog and all that stuff, but it's really hard if no one's there to kind of guide you and have a mentor of sorts. And that's what I'm so grateful for with my group practices that they've been able to help me out and say, Hey, this worked really well for me. You may not like it, but at least give it a shot and see what works for you. So I want to find a way to give back to the community of new therapists, new social workers, what have you, and help them with getting their name out there because there's some people that'll charge, you know, out the butt of, oh, well, I can work on your website. I can work on your blog for you. When you know your stuff, you know you best. And I want to make sure that people can, you know, express themselves and get to their, you know, potential clients in the way that works best for them. Mm -hmm. So that's what I like to do.
0: Yeah, that's so true. And people will overcharge n- new entrepreneurs, like new self-employed people of any kind. Mm-hmm. And often that's when you have the least disposable income, right? Exactly. That's It's hardest, but that's also when you're at your most, I mean, for lack of better words, desperate because you want to succeed and you want to be like everyone else or you want to be doing all the things and, and you don't right. have that filter at the beginning. I know I didn't, like, I, I was so stressed out and like trying to do everything when I started out and then in time, you know how to weed through what you need and what you don't need, who you should be listening to, who you shouldn't be listening to, and like what's in alignment with you and what isn't. But at the beginning, you'll take all kinds of advice from all kinds of people, watch all the webinars, watch all the, you know, you'll do everything. And it's, I don't know if that happened to you, but it happened to me.
1: It did. That's why I'm laughing. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. It
0: was the worst. I was so overwhelmed and I was like, I'm never going to be like these people. I can't do this. Like, I don't know what to do. And then I just obviously didn't have all that money to, to spend on all their courses and all their things. And so I don't know. I was just so overwhelmed, you know. But uh, no, I
1: was too. It's a it's a really tough road and unless you've got somebody to kind of help guide you and mentor you on how to do this, it can be kind of a sink or swim mindset at times. So totally understand that.
0: Yeah. So then people can work with you doing that as well.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, because it's not therapy and it's more of like a mentoring kind of thing. I can literally work with anybody anywhere in the world. So that's kind of really fun. Yeah. and uh, we would do things through Zoom. It's super easy. They can do like 30-minute or 60-minute kind of stuff. I'll, I'll work with new therapists or people that are considering grad school of how do I make myself stand out as a candidate for all those group interviews that go on. i happy to help anybody that's looking to get into the mental health field.
0: Wow, amazing. And otherwise, so you can tell us where you're located and otherwise where you offer your therapy services as well. And I'll put all these details in the show notes, but I just want to give everyone a heads up.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So I work in the state of Georgia. So ideally, you need to be a Georgia resident. If we're doing any sort of therapy services, individual, couples, premarital, all that fun stuff. Um, I have in-person sessions that are located in Alpharetta, Georgia. And then I have online sessions for anyone in the state of Georgia. My practices are Johns Creek and Alpharetta Counseling and HEAL ATL Counseling and Wellness. And they can, I, I believe you'll have all the information in the show notes of ways to contact me and access my website and all that fun stuff.
0: Absolutely, I'll put everything in the show notes. And so if people want to reach out to you in Georgia or outside of Georgia for your, your I guess we can call it business mentoring, um, yeah. then, then they'll have all of those resources in the show notes. Rachel, thank you so, so much for all your info and your insight. I hope that we can chat again one day soon.
1: <laughs> Absolutely, thank you for having me. Thanks, Rachel.